chapter twenty two of young people's treasury volume six famous travels and adventures by hamilton wright maybe this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by betty b old rotterdam by edmondo de amicis as we neared rotterdam it rained and was foggy we could see as through a veil only an immense confusion of ships houses windmills towers trees and people in motion on the dikes and bridges there were lights everywhere a great city with such an aspect as i had never seen before and which fog and darkness soon hid from me altogether when i had taken leave of my travelling companions and had put my luggage in order it was night so much the better i thought as i entered a carriage i shall see the first dutch city by night which must be a strange spectacle and indeed when monsieur bismarck was at rotterdam he wrote to his wife that at night he saw spectres on the roofs it is difficult to make much of the city of rotterdam entering it at night the carriage passed almost immediately over a bridge that resounded hollowly beneath it and while i thought myself and was in fact within the city i saw with amazement on my right and left two rows of ships vanishing in the gloom leaving the bridge we passed through a street lighted and full of people and found ourselves upon another bridge and between two rows of vessels as before and so on from bridge to street from street to bridge and to increase the confusion an illumination of lamps at the corners of houses lanterns on masts of ships lighthouses on the bridges small lights under the houses and all these lights reflected in the water all at once the carriage stopped people crowded about i looked out and saw a bridge in the air in answer to my question someone said that a vessel was passing we went on again seeing a perspective of canals and bridges crossing and recrossing each other until we came to a great square sparkling with lights and bristling with masts of ships and finally we reached our inn in an adjacent street my first care on entering my room was to see whether dutch cleanliness deserved its fame it did indeed and may be called the religion of cleanliness the linen was snow-white the windows transparent as the air the furniture shining like a crystal the floor so clean that a microscope could not discover a black speck there was a basket for waste paper a tablet for scratching matches a dish for cigar ashes a box for cigar stumps a spittoon and a bootjack in short there was no possible pretext for soiling anything my room examined i spread a map of rotterdam upon the table and made some preparatory studies for the morrow it is a singular thing that the great cities of holland although built upon a shifting soil and amid difficulties of every kind have all great regularity of form amsterdam is a semicircle the hague square rotterdam an equilateral triangle the base of the triangle is an immense dyke which defends the city from the mews and is called the bumpfes signifying in dutch small trees from a row of little elms now very tall that were planted when it was first constructed another great dyke forms a second bulwark against the river which divides the city into two almost equal parts and from the middle of the left side to the opposite angle that part of rotterdam which is comprised between the dikes is all canals 
islands and bridges and is the new city that which extends beyond the second dike is the old city two great canals extend along the other two sides of the town to the apex where they meet and receive the waters of the river rot which with the affix of dam or dike gives its name to the city having thus fulfilled my conscientious duty as a traveller and with many precautions not to soil even by a breath the purity of that jewel of a chamber i abandoned myself with humility to my first dutch bed dutch beds i speak of those in the hotels are generally short and wide and occupied in a great part by an immense feather pillow in which a giant's head would be overwhelmed i may add that the ordinary light is a copper candlestick of the size of a dinner plate which might sustain a torch but holds instead a tiny candle about the size of a spanish lady's finger in the morning i made haste to rise and issue forth into the strange streets unlike anything in europe the first i saw was the hoogstraat a long straight thoroughfare running along the interior dike the unplastered houses of every shade of brick from the darkest red to light rose color chiefly two windows wide and two stories high have the front wall rising above and concealing the roof and in the shape of a blunt triangle surmounted by a parapet some of these pointed facades rise into two curves like a long neck without a head some are cut into steps like the houses that children build with blocks some present the aspect of a conical pavilion some of a village church some of theatrical cabins the parapets are in general surrounded by white stripes coarse arabesques in plaster and other ornaments in very bad taste the doors and windows are bordered by broad white stripes other white lines divide the different stories the spaces between the doors in front are marked by white wooden panels so that two colors white and red prevail everywhere and as in the distance the darker red looks black the prospect is half festive half funereal all the houses looking as if they were hung with white linen at first i had an inclination to laugh for it seemed impossible that it could have been done seriously and that quite sober people lived in those houses they looked as if they had been run up for a festival and would presently disappear like the paper framework of a great display of fireworks while i stood looking vaguely at the street i noticed one house that puzzled me somewhat and thinking that my eyes had been deceived i looked more carefully at it and compared it with its neighbors turning into the next street the same thing met my astonished gaze there is no doubt about it the whole city of rotterdam presents the appearance of a town that has been shaken smartly by an earthquake and is on the point of falling into ruin all the houses in any street one may count the exceptions on his fingers lean more or less but the greater part of them so much that at the roof they lean forward at least a foot beyond their neighbors which may be straight or not so visibly inclined one leans forward as if it would fall into the street another backward another to the left another to the right at some point six or seven contiguous houses all lean forward together those in the middle most those at the ends less looking like a paling with the crowd pressing against it at another point two houses lean together 
as if supporting one another in certain streets the houses for a long distance lean all one way like trees beaten by a prevailing wind and then another long row will lean in the opposite direction as if the wind had changed sometimes there is a certain regularity of inclination that is scarcely noticeable and again at crossings and in the smallest streets there is an indescribable confusion of lines a real architectural frolic a dance of houses a disorder that seems animated there are houses that nod forward as if asleep others that start backward as if frightened some bending toward each other their roofs almost touching as if in secret conference some falling upon one another as if they were drunk some leaning backward between others that lean forward like malefactors dragged onward by their guards rows of houses that courtesy to a steeple groups of small houses all inclined toward one in the middle like conspirators in conclave observe them attentively one by one from top to bottom and they are interesting as pictures in some upon the summit of the facade there projects from the middle of the parapet a beam with cord and pulley to pull up baskets and buckets in others jutting from a round window is the carved head of a deer a sheep or a goat under the head a line of whitewashed stone or wood cuts the whole facade in half under this line there are two broad windows with projecting awnings of striped linen under these again over the upper panes a little green curtain below this green curtain two white ones divided in the middle to show a suspended bird-cage or a basket of flowers and below the basket or the cage the lower panes are covered by a network of fine wire that prevents the passer-by from seeing into the room within behind the netting there stands a table covered with objects in porcelain crystal flowers and toys of various kinds outside on the stone sill is a row of small flower-pots from the stone sill or from one side projects an iron stem curving upward which sustains two small mirrors joined in the form of a book movable and surmounted by another also movable so that those inside the house can see without being seen everything that passes in the street on some of the houses there is a lamp projecting between the two windows and below is the door of the house or a shop door if it is a shop over the door there is the carved head of a moor with his mouth wide open or that of a turk with a hideous grimace sometimes there is an elephant or a goose sometimes a horse's or a bull's head a serpent a half-moon a windmill or an arm extended the hand holding some object of the kind sold in the shop if it is the house door always kept closed there is a brass plate with the name of the occupant another with a slit for letters another with the handle of a bell the whole including the locks and bolts shining like gold before the door there is a small bridge of wood because in many of the houses the ground floor or basement is much lower than the street and before the bridge two little stone columns surmounted by two balls two more columns in front of these are united by iron chains the large links of which are in the form of crosses stars and polygons in the space between the street and the house are pots of flowers and at the windows of the ground floor more flower-pots and curtains 
in the more retired streets there are bird cages on both sides of the windows boxes full of green growing things clothes hung out to air or dry a thousand objects and colors like a universal fair but without going out of the older town one need only to go away from the center to see something new at every step in some narrow straight streets one may see the end suddenly closed as if by a curtain concealing the view but it disappears as it came and is recognized as the sail of a vessel moving in a canal in other streets a network of cordage seems to stop the way the rigging of vessels lying in some basin in one direction there is a drawbridge raised and looking like a gigantic swing provided for the diversion of the people who live in those preposterous houses and in another there is a windmill tall as a steeple and black as an antique tower moving its arms like a monstrous firework on every side finally among the houses above the roofs between the distant trees are seen masts of vessels flags and sails and rigging reminding us that we are surrounded by water and that the city is a seaport meantime the shops were opened and the streets became full of people there was great animation but no hurry the absence of which distinguishes the streets of rotterdam from those of london between which some travellers find great resemblance especially in the colour of the houses and the grave aspect of the inhabitants white faces pallid faces faces the colour of parmesan cheese light hair very light hair reddish yellowish broad beardless visages beards under the chin and around the neck blue eyes so light as to seem almost without a pupil women stumpy fat rosy slow with white caps and earrings in the form of corkscrews these are the first things one observes in the crowd but for the moment it was not the people that first stimulated my curiosity i crossed the hoog street and found myself in the new city here it is impossible to say if it be port or city if land or water predominate if there are more ships than houses or vice versa broad and long canals divide the city into so many islands united by drawbridges turning bridges and bridges of stone on either side of every canal extends a street flanked by trees on one side and houses on the other all these canals are deep enough to float large vessels and all full of them from one end to the other except a space in the middle left for passage in and out an immense fleet imprisoned in a city when i arrived it was the busiest hour so i planted myself upon the highest bridge over the principal crossing from thence were visible four canals four forests of ships bordered by eight files of trees the streets were crammed with people and merchandise droves of cattle were crossing the bridges bridges were rising in the air or opening in the middle to allow vessels to pass through and were scarcely replaced or closed before they were inundated by a throng of people carts and carriages ships came and went in the canals shining like models in a museum and with the wives and children of the sailors on the decks boats darted from vessel to vessel the shops drove a busy trade servant women washed the walls and windows and all this moving life was rendered more gay and cheerful by the reflections in the water the green of the trees the red of the houses the tall windmills showing their dark tops 
and white sails against the azure of the sky and still more by an air of quiet simplicity not seen in any other northern city i took observations of a dutch vessel almost all the ships crowded in the canals of rotterdam are built for the rhine and holland they have one mast only and are broad stout and variously colored like toy ships the hull is generally of a bright grass green ornamented with a red or a white stripe or sometimes several stripes looking like a band of different colored ribbons the poop is usually gilded the deck and mast are varnished and shining like the cleanest of house floors the outside of the hatches the buckets the barrels the yards the planks are all painted red with white or blue stripes the cabin where the sailors families are is colored like a chinese kiosk and has its windows of clear glass and its white muslin curtains tied up with knots of rose-colored ribbon in every moment of spare time sailors women and children are busy washing sweeping polishing every part with infinite care and pans and when their little vessel makes its exit from the port all fresh and shining like a holiday coach they all stand on the poop and accept with dignity the mute compliments which they gather from the glances of the spectators along the canals from canal to canal and from bridge to bridge i finally reach the dyke of the boomjes upon the moss where boils and bubbles all the life of the great commercial city on the left extends a long row of small many-colored steamboats which start every hour in the day for dordrecht arnhem gonda schiedam brilla zealand and continually send forth clouds of white smoke and the sound of their cheerful bells to the right lie the large ships which make the voyage to various european ports mingled with fine three-masted vessels bound for the east indies with names written in golden letters java sumatra borneo samarang carrying the fancy to those distant and savage countries like the echoes of distant voices in front the moss covered with boats and barks and the distant shore with a forest of beech trees windmills and towers and over all the unquiet sky full of gleams of light and gloomy clouds fleeting and changing in their constant movement as if repeating the restless labor on the earth below End of chapter twenty two